Hey, welcome back to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is episode seven. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about the subject of ruthless integrity, ruthless integrity. And I'm excited. We've got a good show for you today. And we had an interview last week with Drew Dick, which I I really enjoyed, and I hope you guys did too. And I have a couple others lined up for the future. I'd love to hear some feedback from y'all if you want to have more interviews. My plan is to uh, do interviews once in a while, but I don't want that to be the entire format of the show. Uh, But I think it's a good way to break it up and get some uh, opinions and and advice from people who uh, aren't just me, who are much smarter than me. So I'd love to hear some feedback about that, and uh, I will take that under advisement. All right, let's get into the show. This is the Redeeming Productivity Show, where we talk about technology, techniques, and theology in the light of Scripture to help Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. I'm your host, Reagan Rose. At some point or another in your work life, you have probably had to deal with a person who lacks integrity. Maybe it was a salesperson who overpromised but underdelivered. Maybe it was a vendor who lied about how fast they would actually ship something. Or maybe it was a coworker, uh, someone who seemed to not really care who he stepped on or what he had to do to get ahead in his career. Or maybe you see it at your home, too. Kids that try to cut corners when it comes to cleaning the house. Or a spouse. Well, we won't get into that. <laughs> but, and sadly, you know, a lack of integrity exists in some churches, too. There are leaders who don't mind telling a white lie here and there. I mean, we could probably all think of names of high-profile preachers who themselves had preached vociferously against certain sins, and then it was later revealed that they themselves were indulging unrepentedly in those same sins which they so publicly condemned. They lacked integrity. And so whatever the case, most of us have observed the ill effects of people who lack integrity. Nobody likes working with or, or serving under someone who lacks integrity. And on the other hand, everyone, I think, likes dealing with individuals, leaders, companies, people who operate with a high degree of integrity. I mean, think of the blessing it is to be at a church where you have an implicit trust in the leadership there, in the elders, in the pastor, because their integrity uh, is on display. You know that they can be trusted. And that's the key word when it comes to integrity. It's about trust. Any partnership, whether it be social, familial, uh, financial, uh, whatever it is, anytime you enter into agreement with somebody in some way, there is an exchange. There is, it is itself an exercise of trust. And those who demonstrate a pattern of being people of their word build that trust. And they make us want to work with them again. They make us, if they're our boss, they make us want to please them with our work. They inspire us to imitate that same kind of integrity in our lives. They call us to a higher standard. Parents have this privilege too, and we operate with integrity. When our children see that in our lives, they they have a higher respect for us because they know we're not just all talk. And integrity is, at heart, a moral issue, isn't it? Well, I think what's somewhat surprising to me or at least interesting, is that when it comes to the corporate world, um, the world of business, they realize that integrity is not only a moral good, but it's a practical one. 
If you showed me a company that has some set of core values, you're, you're, if you work somewhere, your company probably has like five core values and they framed them somewhere and stuck them in the break room and, you know, it's all these different single word things. I would bet you, if I were a betting man, if I lacked the integrity to not be a betting man, I would bet that one of those is integrity. See, what companies have realized is that operating with integrity is good for business. Countless articles, seminars, books, they all push the importance of keeping one's word at work. They talk about just how important integrity is and how in the long run, and here, here's, here's, here's where they're coming from, in the long run, it's better to operate with integrity. That's what they say. These are people who are not believers who are teaching this and, and telling this in the workplace. And the reasons they offer for this are various, but it really all boils down to one thing. It boils down to that trust factor I talked about. Secular businesses expect and, and want their people to operate with integrity because it builds trust with other people they have to work with. And so really at heart, what is the argument here? Are they asking people to operate with integrity because it's morally good? Because, because of their standing before God? Because of how that honors the Lord? Not really. What they're talking about is pragmatism. The reason to operate with integrity, according to these people, is because it works. One article said it this way. They said, quote, Primarily, integrity in the workplace is so important as these traits foster a positive workplace culture. Unquote. And later, uh, quote, If you are known for your integrity, you will gain trust and respect from the people around you. Unquote. And they said it's it's more than just an individual thing that individuals are, develop a reputation for trust and integrity over time by exercising integrity. They say, quote, organizations known for their integrity perform better, unquote. They, they have, they've done studies on this and organizations that have a reputation for integrity perform better. Essentially, here it is. Here's the gambit. Here's what they're saying. Don't lie on that sales pitch just to land a big client now. Because in the long run, integrity will pay off even better in terms of business relationships, and, and that will lead to more money and more success because you, your reputation for trust will be there and you have longer lasting partnerships. But here's my point. Here's where we're going to turn the corner. These reasons are merely pragmatic. They are not Christian reasoning at work. And though these reasons they offer for operating with integrity are various, they boil down to pragmatism. The reason that they say we should operate with integrity is because it will benefit us. We'll call it mercenary morality, right? I, I am, uh, my morality's for hire. If it benefits me personally, then of course I'll be a moral person. I'm not denying that these practical realities are true. I, I think that they, I think that they are right. Operating with integrity builds trust and it will help you succeed. My beef with this line of argument is that it misses the entire point of integrity. It's actually what, if you carry the logic through what they're describing is the opposite of integrity and they're calling it integrity. Pragmatism is not a good enough reason to have integrity. It's not the right reason to have integrity. Consider this thought experiment. If the only reason that you operate with integrity in your work or in your family or in your church is because it shows people that you're trustworthy, what happens if you have a situation in which you know for certain that if you cut corners, 
no one will ever find out. Like it's literally impossible. Why in that situation would you still choose to operate with integrity and do the right thing if you know that it's not going to come back on you? This is the flaw. This is the flaw in the whole reasoning behind this other focus, this reputation-based, this this success-based mercenary morality. It's that if you operate, your reason for operating with integrity was for the sake of having a good reputation, then if you know that this one time won't affect your reputation, there's no reason not to cut the corner. This version of integrity, it doesn't hold up under stress. Because integrity for the sake of reputation is simply not a good enough reason to always exercise integrity. And here's the irony that I said this isn't integrity, because it's not. The irony is, is the whole point of integrity is that you are a person who does what is right even though no one is watching. If the only reason you do right when no one is watching is because you think people will somehow find out that you do right when no one is watching, then that's not integrity, right? It's not. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching and no one will ever find out. That's integrity. That's integrity. Okay, so what do the scriptures teach about integrity? Well, God calls Christians to a higher calling. He calls us to operate with ruthless integrity. And that's the, that's the title of this podcast, Ruthless Integrity. This is an integrity that's not merely looking for the temporal benefits of being known reputationally as a, as a trustworthy person. Our integrity flows from the fact that we serve at the pleasure of a master who sees all and is a rewarder of the righteous. That's where true integrity comes from. In the dictionary definition of integrity, there's lots of them, but here's kind of, I've kind of cobbled together what, what integrity means from some different definitions. It's the quality of being undivided, right? In integrity, integrated. It's etymologically actually related to the word integer, which, you know, means one. Uh, it's not, it's the opposite, right? Of being disintegrated, right? When something is disintegrated, it goes into many, many pieces and, and it, but if you're, you're fully integrated, if you have integrity, meaning who you are on the outside is who you are on the inside. You're not duplicitous. You're all of a piece. Your integrity is you being true and consistent to your standard. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. It's sincerity. It's honesty. It's, it's, it's someone who operates without guile. That's what integrity is. Now that's a good starting point, but for the Christian, the thing that differentiates our integrity or ruthless integrity um, from the world's standard for integrity is is actually that word standard. I mentioned it in the definition. I said integrity is one who operates consistently with one's standard. There's some subjectivity there. One's standard could differ from person to person. For example, someone's standard could be get rich at any cost. And that standard would actually treasure not having integrity as a good thing. So the difference for the Christian is that the Christian standard is not arbitrary. It's not subjective. It's not you have your standard and I have mine. You have your truth, I have mine. It's all relative. No, the Christian standard for integrity is the word of God. In other words, your integrity is measured by how your life matches to the scriptures. 
to your profession of faith, to being a disciple of Christ. If you claim him as Lord, then your life will be measured. Your integrity, I should say, would be measured by your obedience to your Lord and Master. And his commands and his expectations are found in the word of God. But tons of Christians, right, they they live lives that match the scriptures ostensibly, and they just do it when others are watching. What are those people called? Called hypocrites. The real test of integrity, the thing that makes it integrity, is how you live when no one is watching. Okay, before I get in a little further to talking about um, the qualities of ruthless integrity, I want to note one thing. I want to note the outward value of Christians having integrity. Right? I, I had spoken earlier about the pragmatic benefits of integrity in the workplace and how that's not a good enough foundation. It's not, but there actually are still, for the believer, outward benefits for living your, your life of integrity. And the first one is that integrity doubles your witness at work. It doubles your witness at work. It doubles your witness to your family. It doubles your witness to others uh, in your church and to your neighbors and to everyone. Operating with integrity gives you a reputation and a reputation is valuable. I'm not discounting this benefit. I'm just saying that it doesn't go. It's not the only reason you want to operate with integrity. But there is value in being known as a person of integrity, especially for those who are trying to have a witness for Christ among others. John Stott said the following about the integrity. He's speaking specifically about preachers. And he talked about the the value of the preacher's life matching his message. But I think this applies equally to all believers. If you are professing a message of the gospel to unbelievers or professing uh, faith even among other believers, then your life needs to match up to your profession. John Stott writes, We cannot hide that what we are. Indeed, what we are speaks as plainly as what we say. When these two voices blend, the impact of the message is doubled. But when they contradict each other, the positive witness of the one is negated by the other. You see what he's saying? He's saying that that there's two voices you speak with, your words and your actions. But when your words and your actions match up, then it's this two times effect. When you claim the name of Christ and you tell people about his gospel and how great he is, that's wonderful. But when it says like in Titus 2, when, when your life actually adorns that doctrine... Oh, then your witness is doubled, is doubled. And and likewise, Stott says, it can have the opposite effect where you can undermine your verbal witness by having, uh, by not exercising integrity, we would say. And then people look and they say, yeah, he's all talk. Like he talks about Christ and talks about how, how the Lord has changed his life and about how he's a new creature in Christ Jesus, but he's just like me. So whether you're a pastor at a church or a Christian in a secular workplace, Your walk needs to match your words. I also like, here's another quote. This is from uh, Puritan Richard Baxter. I like how he puts it. There's some old English in here, so you guys are really going to like that. I'm sure of it. He says, It is not likely that the people will regard much the doctrine of such men when they see that they do not live as they preach. They will think that he doth not mean as he speaks if he do not live as he speaks. And I love this last line. He says, They will hardly believe a man that seemeth not to believe himself. Oof. 
That's it right there, isn't it? When you don't practice what you preach, no one's going to listen to what you preach because they said, why would I believe you when you don't believe you? See, to talk like a Christian and yet fail in integrity is to be a hypocrite. It is to be like the Pharisees whom Jesus rebuked. They talked the talk plenty good, but they didn't walk the walk. You know, Jesus in Matthew 23, 3 rebukes the Pharisees uh, because of this very reason. He says that since they are in the seat of Moses, quote, therefore, all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. But as you exemplify a life that doesn't cut corners, that does operate with integrity, your co-workers, your children, your congregants, your friends, your neighbors, they'll say to themselves, there is something different about her. Her doctrine is not just for show. She actually lives it out. It's a powerful testimony. Having Christian integrity doubles your witness. It is, it is a witness in word and in deed. So let's do that. Let's, but let's go further. Let's go further than this reasoning of the, the only reason to have, in, I'm not saying the only reason to have integrity is because of this outward witness. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's live with integrity because it doubles our witness. But let's not stop there. And this is what this is all about. When I talked about ruthless integrity, uh, I want to get into the real meat of it now. I know. Long introduction. Let's step beyond the effect of our integrity on in the world. And now let's examine the nature of Christian integrity a little deeper. Because Christian integrity never takes a day off. Christian integrity is ruthless integrity. So what are the qualities of, of ruthless integrity? What, what, what makes Christian integrity so much different than the world? First, ruthless integrity is not an act. It flows from who you are. It's not a put on. It's not a show. It's something that comes out of who you are as a Christian. Because, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, believers in Christ have become a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Or as John MacArthur puts it, you didn't just receive something new, you became someone new. Likewise, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. See, when, when believers act consistently with their beliefs, they're actually acting consistently with who they are. It's not a put on. It's not an act. It's not a show. It is the outgrowth of a new creature living like a new creature does. You put a fish in water and he's going to swim. You put a Christian in the workplace and he's going to live with integrity. And see, that's why the New Testament frequently goes on and on about how you think about yourself. Like Romans 6, 11, Paul says again, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to Christ Jesus. When we act with integrity, we live like the new creation that we are. We, we reckon ourselves we, we, as we actually are in Christ. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. My, my, my body is no longer, it's not mine. It's, it's not for the service of sin. It's for Christ. 
And that's who I am. I'm a new creature. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, who has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You see, we are something new. Integrity for the Christian is not an act. It's simply to live consistently with who you are in Christ. Which is why your integrity, the believer's integrity, is always turned on. No matter whether anyone is watching, or whether they will ever find out, or whether there is any benefit to you or anyone else temporally. We always act with integrity because it's who we are. We're a new creation. In other words, it isn't just that integrity functions when convenient, which, you know, is happy to do right when no one's watching, as long as there is a chance that someone will find out later and praise you for it. But you see, Christian integrity is more than just doing the right thing when no one's watching. Ruthless integrity actually keeps its word even at great personal cost. That's the the second um, aspect of of ruthless integrity. Is that it keeps its word even at great personal cost. You see, God commands us to have integrity. That's why the law in Deuteronomy twenty three it, it forbade unequal weights and measures. The point is, you you can't go to the marketplace. You're selling something. You can't go there and and rip people off because you have a weight that's different. So so you're saying, hey, I just sold you this much barley, but you actually shortchanged them on barley because you're lying about your weights and measures. They, you you shaved a little bit off the bottom of it. Come on, guys, be honest with your barley. And so this person who you ripped off, they may never find out that you did this, and and you may make a profit off of it. But that's not the issue. The issue isn't your reputation. That's not why you're acting with integrity. The reason Deuteronomy 23 is saying that it's wrong is because it's stealing. And stealing is a failure to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's also a failure to be an image bearer of God, who is a God of faithfulness and truth. So ruthless integrity doesn't just doesn't just do the right thing. It does the right thing even when it hurts it, even when there's great personal cost involved. Psalm 15 speaks of the one who can fellowship with God. In other words, it's talking about what a righteous person looks like. This is a Psalm of David, Psalm 15, 1 through 5. Uh, The psalmist asks, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue, and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved." Love that. That's a summary of what a righteous person, one who one who walks with God, is to look like. It's a life of integrity, isn't it? He walks blamelessly. He doesn't slander. He doesn't take up reproaches against his friends. 
He honors those who fears the Lord. And I love this line in verse 4. It says, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. And what that means is it's someone who makes a promise and keeps it, even when keeping it means great personal sacrifice. You see, this is actually why the Bible warns against hasty oaths. Because it's, it's operating on the assumption that you mean to keep your promises. That's why you don't want to rush into a promise lightly. Because once promised, you're bound to follow through no matter the cost, even at great personal cost to you. And that is what ruthless integrity does. <laughs> Let me put it personally. If you are a person of ruthless integrity, it means you're going to live rightly and honestly, regardless of the cost. You're going to tell the truth, even when telling the truth is going to hurt you. If you promised to do something, even in little things, you, you, you made a commitment. Someone said, hey, are you, you want to come over to my house Friday night? You said, yes. You make plans with them and something better comes up. You keep your word to the friend that you made the promise to. Now, ruthless integrity swears to its own hurt. It does what's right, even at great personal cost. Next, ruthless integrity does right even when no one expects it. Ruthless integrity, it operates with a Godward view. This is so critical to understand. Yeah, it's concerned with fulfilling what is expected of it. But it goes further than that. Because ruthless integrity recognizes that God's standards are higher than the world's. The person of this kind of integrity, therefore, will go far above and beyond the call of duty on things. They'll do the right thing, even when the right thing is what no one, no one's even asking them to do it. And this, this happens so much, even in the little things, to make the bed, to put the dishes away in the right spot, to, to not sweep the dirt under the rug, but to actually go out and get the dustpan out of the garage, even though it's so far out there and you got to go find your shoes and all oh, you're not wearing socks. Oh man. No, you just go and do it. You do the right thing. Ruthless integrity doesn't doesn't turn in a report that's 80% done. It, it, it finishes it 100% all the way. Ruthless integrity, in other words, it, it doesn't stop sprinting 100 yards from the finish line. Ruthless integrity always finishes strong. It always puts in that extra 10%. It does the right thing even when it doesn't feel like it, even when no one's watching, even when people don't expect it. Because the reason that ruthless integrity is so ruthless is because it's not doing it for the sake of people. Colossians 3.23 is so key for all of this. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Whether you're keeping the home, you're pastoring a church, you're working a part-time job, or you're leading a company, whatever you do, work heartily. Meaning work hard. Have all yourself in it. And you work hard as for the Lord, as for your true master, the God in heaven, not for men. The reason that you work hard in whatever you do is not to please people. It's to please God, your true master. And that's the key. Ruthless integrity understands that someone is always watching and it's the only one that really matters. You know, er earlier this week, you may have seen it on, uh, if you follow Redeeming Productivity on social media, which if you don't, you should. We, uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and <laughs> Pinterest, I know. And uh, we just added, uh, what's it called? Instagram. 
So follow us on those platforms. But earlier this week, uh, I posted an Instagram picture of Colossians 3.23, and I wrote in the caption for it that the only integrity that really counts flows from knowing that we serve an audience of one. And that was in view of, of doing this podcast episode. The, the, the integrity that actually counts, that actually matters in the file analysis, it's not integrity that's done out of that mercenary morality because it's going to get you ahead in life. It, it's The integrity that counts flows from knowing that you're doing it for Christ, that, that you're doing what's right when no one's watching because someone is watching. God is watching. And so you do what's right in the view of that eye that never sleeps. James 4.17 It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Man, that thing just sticks in my conscience craw. Oh man, that's a really dumb expression, but I love it. So I'm going to use it a ton more. James 4.17 really sticks in my conscience craw. (laughs) Here's the thing. This verse pops into my head all of the time with this one specific thing. When I am out and about and I see trash laying on the ground and I see it and I walk past it, this verse pops into my head. (laughs) Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. And I think to myself, the right thing to do would be to pick up that trash and throw it away. But I don't want to do it because it's nasty. I don't want to pick up trash. And also, I'm in a hurry. And also, this isn't really my responsibility. Why should I pick up this trash? Someone else put this trash down here. Don't we have street sweepers? Yeah, shouldn't we have these streets be a lot more cleaner anyway? Why is it in California that there's all this stuff on the side of the highway and no one's picking it up? That should be someone's job. Well, sometimes you see the prisoners doing this. They should do it. And it goes into this whole thing. And then I just come back to James 4.17, say, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for its sin. I say, okay, I'm going to pick up the trash because I don't want to sin because I know it's the right thing to do. And it's a dumb, I know it's a little tiny thing, but that's why I'll pick up the stupid straw wrapper and throw it in the trash can because if you know that it's right, you got to do it. And no one's watching. No one cares that I picked up that trash. I'm not doing it to, to show off or for anyone to notice. No one cares. If anything, they're big. That dude picks up trash and his hands are probably nasty. Get that boy some Purell. No, I do it because I, 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 I'm working heartily as unto the Lord because he's my true master. And that is what is so critical. That is what is so critical. This is why we dot our I's and we cross our T's when we're working. It's why we're diligent when no one's watching because someone, the most important someone, is always watching. And that kind of dovetails right into this last point, which is this ruthless integrity results in better blessings than corner cutting. Ruthless integrity results in better blessings than corner cutting. Why do I care that God is watching? Why do I care to do what's right even when no human is watching? Because finally, though though integrity may have many temporal benefits from the people who notice that quality in your life, though it might lead to a more appreciative spouse, a promotion at work, or the trust of people in your church, it also results in blessings from God. God blesses those who operate with integrity. And so the God who sees all, he is the one whom you are ultimately working for. He is the reason you ultimately need to be working with integrity because he sees and he blesses. In Psalm 1, um, it speaks of, of the blessed man. It says, uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 6, 
How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So this, this is a great passage. It's talking about the blessed man. What is, what is the blessed or the happy man like? Well, he doesn't walk with the wicked. He doesn't live like sinners do. The person, the, the person who is righteous, the person who, speaking from a New Testament perspective, is, is in Christ, who has been forgiven for his sins and imputed the righteousness of Christ and been given a new nature and who's indwelt by the Holy Spirit and, and, and is being sanctified. And, and you're asking yourself as a Christian who's, who's, who knows the Lord and is now walking in sanctification and trying to be more righteous in, in Christ's power by under the power of his holy spirit and you're saying how do i how do i live a righteous life well you don't walk with the wicked you don't keep company with with wicked people and imitate what they do you don't live like sinners do you don't scoff or mock uh, uh like the mockers do no that the blessed man recognizes that his blessing does not come from earthly gain like ripping someone off for a few extra dollars or enjoying the praise of, of wicked people who laugh at your, your cruel jokes. No, the, the blessed man's blessing comes from God. And so, it says, the psalmist says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He's eager to obey God's law. And the result is that, it says, he will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, stability, sustenance, vitality, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The person who seeks to live with ruthless integrity, no matter the cost, no matter whether when anyone's watching, meant just recognizing that God is always watching. He does it in the eye of the Almighty, and the Almighty blesses those who seek to honor him. The reason you're operating with integrity is because is because this. You can rest assured that your ruthless integrity will not go unnoticed by God. It is a powerful way to glorify Jesus Christ, who himself is full of grace and truth, it says. That God of integrity who keeps his word always. And what's more, you can trust that he will reward you for your integrity in the final judgment. It says, again, in Psalm 1, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And we know that he's a repayer of those who honor him. So today and every day, commit yourself once again to living as you really are, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And let that new nature manifest itself in ruthless integrity in whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God.